0: What's the Crack Podcast, proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote.
1: Good evening and welcome to What's the Crack Podcast. Um, We're joined by two hosts today. We're here with Neil again. Neil, how are you, mate? Good, David, mate. You all good? Good, thank you. And we're here with James Penny. How are you, Penny? All right?
0: Yeah, all good,
2: Dave.
3: How are you, mate?
1: All good, thank you. And today we're joined by Robbie Simpson. Uh, how are you, Robbie? You all right?
3: Yeah, very well, thanks. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: How pleasure, you, mate. After a time in the under 18s at Norwich, he started his professional career in 2002 at Cambridge City, where he scored 33 goals in 188 appearances. When going on to Cambridge United, where he had an impressive record of 17 in 33. Before his big move to Coventry City, where he made his his full debut in a two one a 2-0 win at Old Trafford against Man United in the League yeah, the United Cup, United. he then moved to Huddersfield for a fee of two hundred ninety three thousand pound. He had spells at Brentford, Oldham, in Orient, back to Cambridge, acted at MK Dons and Chelmsford City, where he's now a player manager. How are you, Robbie?
3: Yeah, that took a
0: while, didn't it? Someone's been on Wikipedia this morning, didn't
1: they? <laughs> been around a bit, have not you, mate? Oh dear, Jesus! With all I guess, probably we we'll ought to go back to the start, really. So, how did it come about playing football? We just playing playing local as a kid.
3: Yeah, um, my dad was like chairman of the local football club, and I had an older brother that that played for that um, that football club. So, since I was three years old, I was playing for like the local football club, and quickly found myself playing up age groups. And two years higher at some, some stages. And to be honest with you, that's all I ever wanted to do. I spent every spare minute just down the park playing football. Mum used to drag me home. But, yeah, so it was, it's all I ever did as a youngster, really, was just play football every single minute of the day. And you were signed by Norwich? Yeah, at the age of nine, I joined Norwich. Um, I was playing for the East Anglia representative side, And we must have played, um, we played up in Norfolk somewhere. I don't know why. And I don't know who against, um, but there was a Norwich scout there and um, I scored in the game and he invited me for a trial at Norwich. And at that time, Norwich had a center of excellence in Potter's bar. So not far from, from where I live. And um, he invited me, me along for a trial and, and, um, Yeah, invited me to join that centre of excellence at Potter's Bar, and yeah, I was I was I was at Norwich from nine until the age of sixteen when I got released from there. That's
0: that's got to be a massive kick, hasn't it? You know, thinking you you, you've played all page groups all the way through, so you know you you must be confident in your ability. You get picked up by a club like Norwich, and then you get to that point where you know, you you get given that news that you ain't being took on. Like, how how hard is that to take as a 16-year-old?
3: Yeah, it was tough. In in my early years, I would say from nine until maybe 14, I was always considered one of the the better players, one of the best players. Um, And there was always quite a rivalry between the Potters Bar Centre of Excellence and the Norwich (laughs) Centre of Excellence. There was always quite a rivalry. And um, I was quite often considered the best player in the Potter's Bar Centre of Excellence. And then there was another lad called Greg Crane who was always considered the best player at the Norwich Centre of Excellence. Um, but they, it, when we went into under-15s, that was when the academies sort of launched. Mm-hmm. So we became like one academy and they got rid of the Potter's Bar Centre of Excellence. And from that moment on, really, I felt that my... Um, I wouldn't say my development, but certainly my stature within at Norwich went down because there was only a Norwich academy. It was only based yeah. in Norwich and us lads who who they kept on, and they only kept on about five of us from Potter's Bar, the only time we'd get to train would be in half terms from school. Yeah. Uh,
0: right, OK. Yeah. Uh, out, uh, so is that a little bit of out, sorry, out of mind a
3: little bit? Yeah, kind of, I think. Um, but having said that, there was two players from our Potts Bar Centre of Excellence that ended up getting a scholarship, and I didn't. Um, I just felt that maybe they over they overtook me for whatever reason. Um, might just be that oh, I didn't improve as much as they improved in that yeah. in the last couple of years. And I soon found myself in the in our last year, the under sixteen year. Um, I was a centre midfielder back then. Um, me and Dean Sinclair played centre mid, and it was easy to see that he was um, ahead of me, really um, f- physically more than anything. He was he was a real athlete, and I think they liked that, and they could see that he he would progress, um, and he did eventually get a pro deal there. So
1: they probably made the right call. <laughs> you tend to see that a lot in the game, but players getting let go because because they're too small and they don't develop until a later age. It's not kind of fair, is it really?
3: No, and I guess that's why they brought in maybe the under twenty three system to allow that just the extra few years and keep that extra, um, extra core of players with with that football club for a longer period, just to see whether they do develop a bit later. Yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why they brought that in. Um, I don't necessarily agree with under twenty three setups, but that's another conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely I, I agree with that. So sixteen let go by Norwich. Um, is it a case then you think, right, I'll concentrate on my studies um, or I, I know around that sort of time you went to Cambridge City as well. So was it a case of you were done with football or it, it just went on the back burner what you thought, I'm just going to concentrate on my studies and kind of start that side of my life?
3: Um, not really. Although obviously it was, it was devastating getting released from Norwich because I wanted to be a footballer and I wanted to have that recognition that they thought I was good enough to get a scholar. um I was very much of the thought process that I wanted to do my A levels. Yeah, yeah. Getting scholarship at Norwich wouldn't allow me to do my A levels, and it's probably my parents always telling me, "Look, you're you're going to do your A levels. You need to have your education." Yeah. And I had elder brothers and sisters that went to university, for example. And, um, yeah, they'd they'd come back from uh, university, and it looked like they were having the time of their lives. So, I um I always wanted or I was was, was attracted to that, and um I always wanted to, to to do that as well. Really, I saw what fun they were having, and I thought, yeah, I want to go to university. So that was always in the back of my mind as well. And even if I had got offered a scholar, I'm not a hundred percent sure whether I would have would have taken it up um, yeah. because it didn't allow me to do my A-levels.
1: But Was it mainly for a full-back in case football didn't work out or did you really want to experience university and, and the life of living a student on the bear order sign? That's a good
3: question. I've not really been asked that before. Um, I would say... I would say in my head I just wanted to be a footballer. Yeah. Um, but... I yeah, it's 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 tough. <laughs> to last, really. yeah. Sorry, mate. going
1: in with a hard one straight away.
3: <laughs> no, no, that's right. I just I, I knew I needed an education. My parents always put it into me. I need an education, even if it's just a fallback. I need an education. And yeah, maybe yeah. it was a blessing in disguise that I wasn't good enough to get a scholar. Um, and Cambridge City allowed me to do both. They had a great program where. Um, it was. I would train every day with their youth team, but also they're in a partnership with a local sixth form college that allowed me to do A levels. So, so yeah, it was the happy days. So it is.
0: Yeah, win win. And yeah. I, I, again, I, I suppose you know, be, being a younger sibling as well, you 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 say you've seen your older siblings go through the, the education system. You know, football's not a career for life, as it were. So. I guess subconsciously am that that, that kind, of, kind of goes ahead. But, you know, you still get your dream. You're still playing for Cambridge City. Um, how, how is that? Because you've gone from academy football to now playing, you know, a, a, a fairly decent non-league side. Are, are you straight in the first team there?
3: Uh, I was in the December, um, randomly. Yeah, our, the manager at the time, at Cambridge City, got sacked and the academy manager took over as manager of the first team. And um, he pretty much put me straight in. Um, so I think that was in the December, sort of my first year being there. So I was straight in the first team at 16 years old, um, which I have to say for my development, and I mentioned obviously maybe my development at, at 15 kind of stopped. Playing men's football at 16 accelerated it tenfold. Yeah, yeah so that, 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 that's valid. a learning curve, isn't it?
1: In, non, in yeah. non-league, you're getting kicked left, right, and centre. Boy, growing man, aren't you? At that, at that age, so you, you do kind of grow up fast.
3: Yeah, and in actual fact, I was then looking at the players that did get a scholarship at Norwich, and within a year from me playing men's football for a year, I'd overtaken them.
1: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. I'd overtaken them in development, and they were they were kind of getting loaned out to players in the league that I was an established player in. And struggling and I was an established player doing really well in that in the National League South as it as it is now. So um, yeah, that's, playing that's men's a great player. standard for a 16-year-old as well. Yeah, it's tough and if, like I said that that was the, the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of my football development really, getting released by Norwich and playing men's football.
1: How would the old pros with a with 16-year-old with coming in? Were they all right with you or did they, did they kind of bully into you how, how you've got to be?
3: Um, they backed me to be fair. Like, that's, I think one of the first games, a little a fight uh, broke out, and I was just in amongst it. Like, I didn't shy <laughs> away from it right away. I was <laughs> just, like, pushing these 30 year old men around, and the other players in my dressing room loved it. So, um, yeah, I fitted in, I fitted in straight away, really. Just the fact that they saw I was quite, quite a brave, great, a brave player who worked, worked hard and. And and that was that was it for them. They they accepted me straight away.
1: Just going so, a bit further back, Robbie. You, obviously, you you were born in Poole, weren't you? Down in the South Coast. Well, you were you a born with fan growing up?
3: No, do you know what? I don't even remember being down in Poole. I was born there. I think we left there when I was two. All I can remember is growing up in, in Hertfordshire, like just north of London. So right. I was in I was an fan.
1: Arsenal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
3: fair
0: enough. Someone's got to, I suppose. Uh, so, and you mentioned when you were at Norwich, you were a centre midfielder. Um, at what point did the move come where you started playing a bit more advanced? Because, uh, you know, later on in your career, you would see more of a, a, a forward slash winger. Uh, yeah. When when did that move sort of happen?
3: Um, when uh, When I joined Cambridge City, just before... The academy manager took over as first team manager. He moved me kind of forward from centre midfield into like a number ten yeah. position, and then when he'd selected me for the first team, they played four four two, so he played me up front in a two, um, and told me to like drop in at the ten when I wanted, and then that was that was it. Then I was just, I was kind of like a striker or or number ten from that moment, and then wasn't till I. Probably played for Coventry, where I um, was pushed out to the wing a little bit.
1: Uh, it's funny you mentioned that we both, we all said that earlier. you we were kind of played out of position, which we'll talk on later. Um, how did you find the transition from from centre mid to being a striker? Um, it was natural, to
3: be honest with you. I think for whatever reason, I just started scoring, score and scoring regularly at that level. It was at um, house, didn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yes. I mean, I didn't really think too much about it. I didn't have to felt feel like I had to change my game. For whatever reason it just clicked straight away. Um so yeah, it was a smooth, smooth transition of positions and, and one that obviously um I'm thankful to to Dave Batch who was the manager back then for doing because probably wouldn't have had career that I've had if I'd stuck to centre midfield.
0: Did you score money when you were back in centre midfield or were you a bit more of a, um, a combative midfielder as it were?
3: Well, when I was at Norwich, I was the holder because like I said, Dean Sinclair was a more athletic one that could be box to box and yeah. I was there sort of told to hold the middle of the pitch and a bit more of a technical player. Um, and So I was, I, I was more of a holder, although I did get up and score the occasional goal. And then at Cambridge City, moving up into the into the forward positions, I had to develop physically, and I, and I did do, thankfully. <laughs>
1: um, when when you moved on to Cambridge United, um, which you had some record there, um, pretty much one in two. We were reading last night. Wasn't there something dodgy with the board in, in terms of the move when you went from City to United?
3: Yes, yeah, slightly. I mean, Cambridge City were were messing me around quite a lot, and I. The, the manager at Cambridge City eventually after the academy manager that did t- did take over left, a new one came in and um, he just wasn't a very nice person, to be honest with you. And the old head of the academy at Cambridge City moved over to Cambridge United and he was a director of Cambridge City at the time and he wanted the players that he brought through from the academy into Cambridge City's first team to join him at Cambridge United and be part of Cambridge United's first team. So he, he made that possible. And um, I can't thank him enough for that, really. He was, yeah, the, 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 the
1: record right there was Magar.
3: Yeah, that, that that move from Cambridge City to Cambridge United, it was weird because I was still at university at the time and I wasn't training. I was I was only training in half terms and, and the winter breaks from university. So I was literally just going back on Saturdays to play matches and then go back to uni. And I was like... I wouldn't say I lived a complete uni lifestyle, but <laughs> I, um, I had a good enough go when I could. <laughs> I wasn't going out on Friday night like the rest of them, but um, yeah, we had a good midweek sports social and, um, and then I'd just rock up and play on on a Saturday and, as I say, happen to score probably every near enough every week or every other week and, and come back. It was, it,
0: it was Were you still playing for the university side?
3: Uh secretly I was, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's mental. Could you imagine rocking up so you're hanging because you've probably been out the night before, you know, and you're like, oh, I got we've got Loughborough University today. So, and everyone knows Loughborough's a quite sporty university anyway, and then you're like, Recognise that fella. Swear he played for Cambridge at the weekend. Like <laughs> that's not fair, surely.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was um I used to get messages of all my students. Like when they saw it come up, Jeff Stelling on Sky Sports News would say, "Oh, Robbie Simpson scored for Cambridge," and then the next day, next day in my lectures, people would say, "Oh, good goal last night." It was really
1: <laughs> so
0: that, that's that's got to be so surreal. Like you say, trying to balance the two. Um, but you, you end up getting a degree in sports science and maths. Is that correct? Yeah. Happy days. So you know that, that, that's your fallback. Um, and then that season at Cambridge United. So what was it, seventeen and thirty-three?
3: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy, really, because I'd had one goal in my first fifteen games. I think. Was um, it? Yeah, only one in my first fifteen, and then the second half of the season just, just accelerated. Really, scored, scored. I think fifteen and seventeen, maybe. Or what? What do, you,
1: what do you think clicked in the second half of the season?
3: Um, We had a change of manager, so um, we had Rob Newman to start with, and then Jimmy Quinn came in, Um, and yeah, I I think Jimmy Quinn was the first manager that actually took me aside as an individual and gave me some forward coaching, because like I said, I've transitioned from midfield to forward, without any real coaching, it was just, right, you're playing up front today, or you're playing in the number 10 today, without... Giving me coaching of movement or, or positionally where to be, but Jimmy Quinn was the first guy who um, actually gave me some coaching on positional and runs to make and where to be when crosses come in the box, and um, I think that probably is is a real big factor in in me in me not doing too much work because as a midfielder you you need to run around and be involved in everything defensively and attacking, whereas Jimmy Quinn. Gave me a bit of coaching and said, "Look, let the other players do all that. Your job is to score goals, and this is how you do it. These are positions you take up to score goals, and 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 that I think was the biggest factor in in the change of goal return.
1: No, no disrespect to Cambridge City, but as a young lad, how is it going from playing in front of two man and his dog to obviously the, the, Abbey, the Abbey Stadium at Cambridge United, where you're playing in front of two, three thousand people every week." Um
3: such a long time ago I can't really remember the feeling <laughs> um, it was it was good you know I felt like not only that but the, the move you know the things like you get you get your name on the back of the shirt when I made the move but uh, you, well, you didn't have your name on the back of the shirt at Cambridge City and it just felt felt proper I felt like I was a proper footballer yeah and, um, I knew I was getting the move that summer so that summer I did loads more more fitness work and um, strength strength work so I knew I was physically ready for it and yeah just it, it felt it it didn't feel too much of a transition because I knew I'd put the work in to be ready for it
0: yeah yeah and you, you got you got supporters playing the year that year didn't you as well yeah so, so that that must be a, a real sort of um for you personally, you know, you get that and you think, yeah, I I belong now. You know, I've made that transition. It it just kind of reaffirms to you that, you know...
3: Yeah, I think... Yeah, that (laughs) Norwich. Yeah, and you know, we'll probably come on to it. When I was at Coventry and left Coventry eventually to go to Huddersfield, Norwich were desperate to sign me. (laughs) And they made me an offer and... No, I was, I was very happy to tell them no. Um, <laughs> in hindsight, I probably should have, uh, should have gone there because they got back-to-back promotions or in the Premier League within two years. It <laughs> <laughs> a three-year deal, so yeah. More for me.
2: I mean, you uh, touched on Cov there. Um, how did it feel when you got the nudge to say that Coventry were interested? How did that transfer come about?
3: Yeah, it was mental, really. Like I'd I got a call off an unknown number which at the time I was getting lots of um, from agents. And so I didn't answer it. And then they left the voicemail. So I listened to the voicemail and I was, I was at uni at the time <laughs> listening to this voicemail and it was from Ian Dowie. Wow. And um, all my roommates were like, was that Ian Dowie? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but I'm not sure it could just be a prank. <laughs> um, but yeah, I rang him back and and spoke to him, and he said, he'd be interested in I would have come and meet him? And I remember going to Walsall, so I drove from Loughborough to Walsall, because Coventry Reserves, I think, were playing Walsall, in some kind of cup, I think, some kind of reserve cup, or something. Probably like that. the
0: birmingham Floodlit cup, or yeah, something, something like, like
3: that. that. Yeah, that's it, and um, I ended up having a meal, before the game, with, with Tim Flowers, Frankie Bunn, and Ian Dowie, Jeez. and, and watching the game with them, and um, and then basically saying, "Yeah, we want to, we want you to be a be a commentary player next season."
1: Did you ever do you ever think like yesterday I was doing a lecture at uni and I'm, I'm eating dinner with Ian Darby, what's happened tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah,
3: it's mental, really. And I spent the last four months of uni knowing that I was going to be a championship player. Um, That's mental.
1: Yeah. Obviously, was, we're quite boys. But in terms of Cove, we, we still sort of think we're a massive club. So how was it going from Cambridge United to... Obviously, I'm guessing you'd watch cover match of the day before we got relegated and stuff as a kid, so...
3: Yeah. And an actual fact, I remember being at Norwich the day that Coventry signed Craig Bellamy. OK. Oh, And it was a big transfer at the time. And Bellamy yeah. came to our youth team manager, Keith, Keith Webb, at the time and gave him a big hug. And then Keith Webb turned around to us and said that's who you need to aspire to be. Like, he's, get, he's got a big £6 million move to Coventry. Yeah, six £6 yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was, uh, at the time, I remember Coventry being a massive club and making a massive sign and taking Craig Bellamy. And um, and obviously, when I, when I went for my medical, drove, driving to the Rico Arena, and I remember my agent at the time... Who was a typical non league agent? I can't believe looking back, I can't believe I was ever with him. Uh, (laughs) And he did, and to be honest, he did absolutely nothing for my transfer to Coventry because Ian Dowie rang me and then (laughs) he didn't negotiate my deal very well. It was the first offer they they gave me, I took. (laughs) (laughs) He he still took his 20%, though,
0: didn't
3: he? Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, Funnily enough, we not a lot. not many people know, but we went and met Leicester as well that summer.
1: Oh, um, so you turned down Leicester for Cov?
3: Yeah. What a legend! Oh, you've just got hero status. Yeah. Got hero status. <laughs> well, it was weird because Leicester didn't have a manager at the time. So it was Milan Mandric who was doing all the speaking and we met Milan Mandric and he offered us a deal. Off- offered, us- offered me a deal.
1: He's corrupt, oh. he was, weren't he? What was he offering you? <laughs> More right, than commentary gonna... offered of me,
3: actually. <laughs> yeah, More but than cash. Of me, but, but they didn't have a manager at the time, so I'm not going to sign for a team that doesn't have a manager because what if a manager comes in and doesn't want me? Yeah. yeah. And in the end, they they appointed Martin Allen as manager. Um,
1: what a learning um, take that bloke was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I
3: made a good decision,
1: I think. I'm um there. <laughs> yeah, but
3: just, I remember signing my deal, and completely medical and signing my deal at, at Rika Arena, and as we were leaving the car park, we stopped at the traffic lights to leave the stadium. And my agent called me and said, "Oh, look, look to your right!" And it was the Rika Arena was there, like massive stadium. Um, and he said, "You'll be playing there next season." And I was, like, "That when it that's when it really hit me," and I got the goosebumps. That I was going to yeah. be playing at a stadium like that. And I drove back to Loughborough and went to my math lecture. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's absolutely
0: Madden. crazy. See, I, I remember when you signed, because uh, with all due respect, I hadn't heard of you. Uh, I, at that point, I didn't really look at anything below the le- level cover. And, but I remember Ian Dowie being like, this kid's going to go far, you know. Yeah. He's, got this pro- he's got this prolific record. Um, h- how did you handle that sort of... Hype and step up, knowing that you'd gone from, like you say, Conference South, being at university, to being at a Championship Club in a 32000 seat stadium with fans, like Dave says, we probably have got a little bit of a complex where we think we're bigger than what we actually are. Um, so, that, so the expectations are quite high.
3: Yeah. And I remember getting my first ever really off-season programme sent through straight away after I signed. <laughs> And then there was a target that we had to get 3,000 metres in our 12-minute run that we were going to do on the first day. And um, I did it. it. Obviously, I did it. I worked my socks off that summer because I knew I was potentially going to be playing in the championship. And I remember the first day we had the morning training session. And I was just so nervous. I was proper nervous, really. I, did, I didn't really felt like I belonged at the level. It wasn't. It wasn't the same feeling as going from Cambridge City to Cambridge United where I knew I could handle the level and I knew I was ready. It was me moving up three leagues and me really doubting myself whether I am ready. And um that first morning session I was so nervous and I remember giving the ball away the first time I got it. And um Doyler knew this was coming. He absolutely battered me. Like <laughs> And I was like, wow, like I need to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ruined me. I was like, wow, yeah, nice welcome. Um, and then that afternoon, we did the 12 minute run. And I think I'd spent so much nervous energy that that 12 minute run, I just made the 3000. So I made the target that what we, what we had, otherwise we'd have joined the fat club. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I made it and I thought, "God, oh, thank God i Made, made the made the off point thank god um and i went home and slept for the rest of the night um, and <laughs> got in in the morning and ian dowie pulled me up to his office and said oh what was yesterday about and i was like oh what do you mean and he said well i having watched you in the conference and i fully expected you to get nearly four thousand meters not just only just make three thousand and um I was just like, well, I did the best I could. <laughs> <Play boiler. laughs> and, uh, to be to honest, you say about Doyle and him demanding standards. On that 12-minute run, he was the one that just ripped his top off and just he blitzed it and he got nearly 4,000 metres. So he does, although he does hammer his own players a lot and everybody hates him, he does push himself to the absolute limit.
1: But what's he like, Robbie, away from training and away from games? Because we spoke to Chris Birch the other night, and Birch said, away from the training and games, he's a lovely bloke, but as soon as he's playing football, he's just an absolute rat.
3: Yeah. One-on-one, you have a conversation with him, he's great. and I, I still speak to him this day and have a great conversations with him. Um, really, really top lad, but... On the pitch, he's an absolute <laughs> uh, see-you-next-Tuesday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely Dude. the sort of bloke you on on your side as well. Oh, like...
3: I'm not sure. <laughs> he, hamm- he hammers his
0: own team <laughs> I was going to say, when you say that, Birch said that, you know, you play your, your small-sided games and he's like, you, you were torn between a rock and hard place because if Dornley was on your side, he was just whinging at you. But if he was against you, he was just trying to snap you. So you couldn't yeah. win with him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's spot on. <laughs> he's spot on. Well, well, what was Dowie like, Rob?
3: He was great. He, me and him used to have banter every See, day. Um, so he, <laughs> we'd just be in the canteen and he'd just shout over to me, went, oh, Rob, how many degrees have you got? And I'd always <laughs> ask, I've got one. I've got one guy. Oh, yeah, I've got two. <laughs> 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 and then he'd just turn around and carry on eating with a little smirk on his face.
0: And yeah. then you and then you look at the other lads there, and they're probably looking between them, saying like lads like Kev Fawn and saying, "What's a degree?"
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mad, mad we used to call him.
2: What was he like as a mentor, Dowie? Like in terms of being like, because he was a, he was that old school striker, sort of target yeah. man. Throw the ball at him, and that, that's what he did. What was he like to you as a mentor and to the other
3: lads? He was great to me. It, almost, almost too good because I'd I used to love like getting to tuesdays and thinking oh, i've got a, i've got a day off tomorrow i can rest but then he he'd call me in after tuesday's training and say do you want to do a bit of work tomorrow one-on-one it's like you can't say no can you but it's like every week and i'm like oh, just give me one day off gaffer please but every week he said do you want to do a bit of one-on-one work but i can't i had to thank him for it in the end because he'd spend you know, it's his day off as well. Really, that he'd spend coaching me one on one on my finishing and on my on my movement and heading and hold up play. And it was literally like every week after Tuesday, I'd like, you know, when you don't want to make eye contact because you know, <laughs> <you> know
1: <laughs> train the next day sometimes. But yeah, was, you trail obviously it. in your first training session. What's uh, that? In sorry? your first training session, you dubbed the ball away.
3: Yeah, gave the ball away and Doyle hammered me, yeah.
1: Yeah, did, did you... Was that when you thought the step up here in levels is, is massive?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, walk into that dressing room as well. You know, you first day at right and you look around, you've got players like Deli Alabola, Stephen Hughes, Doyle. Um, well,
3: Stephen uh, Hughes was a big one for me. I was going to say, because an oh, Arsenal fan. Yeah, being an Arsenal fan, yeah, yeah. An like, Arsenal fan obviously... He played with Dennis Bergkamp, who was my idol. Um I saw a goal the other day actually that um Bergkamp scored against Southampton when he killed it in the top corner. Yeah. Oh. And Stevie Hughes is jumping on his back. It's, I just thought, yeah, you're an absolute legend, <laughs> um, but it's funny, I sat between him and um our Ari- Ariane Desu, Yeah. And on our, on the first day, they were they were this first day of pre-season, they were speaking about what they're planning to do after football, and in my head, I'm thinking,
2: surely you two don't
3: need to do anything after football. You're made for, you're set for life. Yeah, there's a doctor. There's a copper. Yeah, there's a Is copper it? now. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, he had the, the title. He had a doctor as a title. Yeah, so yeah. he's obviously been educated that much. Yeah, but
0: so um, quite an intellectual dressing room. Then I, 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 I slated it a little bit, but you know, you've got. Lads like that in yourself with degrees, but like I say, you do go to live under the the scale um, <laughs> there's there's one thing that's always always been on my mind as a club fan, Kevin Coyle. Now, I've heard people say about Kevin Coyle that he was one of the best trainers at the club, but for some reason it just didn't work on a saturday is Is that right Was he good on the training ground? Uh,
3: no, not especially. He
0: worked around a Saturday afternoon either, so I was just wondering what he brought to the table <laughs> more than anything.
3: He was certainly a better trainer than he showed in matches. For whatever reason, I think, uh, whether it be he, the fans were on him before I got there, obviously he was there years before me. Um, but, yeah, well, he, he certainly didn't show his ability, because um, he did have a lot of ability. You know the size, sheer size of him and his ability in the air, and he had a good touch. Um, he was a he was a really really good player, but for whatever reason, when it came to match day, he just I don't know. He just didn't keep the ball. He, he he still scored a fair amount, but he, it just didn't come together for him at Coventry for whatever reason.
1: Mm. Uh, and another player, kind of in that category, we were speaking again to Birchill about this player the other night. Michael Misford, Chris Birchall always said Misford kind of thought he was better than he was and was seen cover as a stepping stone. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, Michael probably wasn't the best trainer, but he just, he had a run, particularly that season, where he, um, he, I think he scored 17 that season, didn't he? Yeah. He, he, yeah, he scored a fair few that season. And I, I think scoring two against United... Um, get tried a little bit, isn't it? yeah, yeah, and I think he was really close at one point to a move to Bristol City.
1: I remember that actually, yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. They were they were up there in the championship, weren't they that year? I think they did they reach the playoffs that year. The playoffs the, yeah,
0: on, no, I, they, I know they were there they were that year. Yeah, I so think that, that's, and,
3: that's
1: when they lost the Hull and Wind scored.
0: Out. Yes, yeah, it was.
3: Yeah, yeah that's it. Yes, yeah, so he was close to a move there, and um, yeah, it, it certainly seemed, especially after those two goals against Man United, that he was um, looking to to get a move to a, a bigger club. Um, talk, ended...
1: talk, talk of of the Man United game, Robbie. Obviously, it's your full debut. There's twelve thousand in the away end. There's seventy four thousand in the ground. A year ago, you're at you were at Loughborough Uni.
3: Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? I graduated in the July and then that game took place in the September.
1: <laughs> That's nuts. If I remember <laughs> that, it out <was laughs> like wide as well.
3: Yeah, playing on the right of a three. Um, yeah, I remember that. For the first time. I, well, I Oh, you back? Back
1: now, yeah. mate. Sorry,
3: I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just saying, I don't know if you remember, we played Ipswich live on Sky yeah. on, um, on the Sunday and I randomly came on right wing that game and we were, I think we were already 4-0 down it ended up 4-1 or something like that. But I came on for like 10 minutes and did really, really well. And then we trained on the Monday and Ian Dowie pulled me out of the session halfway through. and told me I was starting. And um, that feeling was just incredible, really. Told me I was starting on the Wednesday, Old Trafford, and I remember ordering fifty tickets. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I remember we'll do fifty tickets, and everyone—I think the whole half of Loughborough there.
0: I was going to say, I bet everyone and his dog in Cov wanted a ticket that game, so I'm sure you boys wouldn't it. dated. It, it's it's again game that's been brought up again recently. Uh, Gary Neville made a tweet at the weekend uh, after the Liverpool-Man United game and said, well done Coventry because Liverpool were in a blue kit. Um, and uh, Cov fans were quick to remind him that the last time that we played each other was that game. Um, really? in, in the build-up to the game, did you genuinely think you had a cat-and-house chance of getting a, getting a result? Or was it just a case of, let's go out there, give it our best shot and, get, you know, just enjoy it?
3: I honestly, we went into that game thinking we had a chance. And although they did put a really good team out, it wasn't, there was no Ronaldo, there was no Rooney. Yeah. And I remember Doyler saying, he, he said, look at their team. Like we're gonna we're gonna beat these in the changing before the game, and um, I remember looking at a team thinking, <laughs> "Still some players there, like PK, yeah. e. Danny Simpson, John Evans, yeah, Carrot, yeah. Me, So uh, Anderson yeah. started.
0: Like you got you got Anderson internationals started. all over the park, and you're like, "Oh, yeah." Then, to be fair, I I thought the worst. It was one of those ones on the way up there. We were all having a bit of a laugh, but I remember thinking. I don't care if it gets spanked, I'm just going to enjoy the night sort of thing and yeah. I, I, I was just wondering if it was the same in the change room but then when you've got lads like Doyler knocking out, I don't think you
3: can have that sort of mentality can you? No and I think you know, we, we weren't in the greatest form I think we started the season quite well that year but by the time that game come around we, like I said we lost 4-1 yeah. to a switch and um, but yeah you're right I think when you've got characters like that in the change room and you know we had Stephen Hughes playing for us as well, who'd not long ago won the Premier League. Um, I remember Ben Turner and Elliot Ward played centre-back, didn't they, that day? Yeah. And yeah. Gary Bordale, left-back, who'd recently been promoted to the Premier League with Palace, I think. And um, Yeah, so we, 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 we were... We did actually think we had a chance of, of, of winning that game. And um, maybe on paper, still, it, it didn't seem that way. But because they had rested stars like Ronaldo and, and Rooney, um, and there was no digs either. For example, I think we we, we felt that it gave us a lift to yeah. it gave that little bit of belief that hang on a minute we can we can beat these. Hey, um, at, at
1: half-time, Robbie, we won the look. What's Dowie's team talk?
3: Keep going. Keep going. We were we were unbelievable that first half. We could have been yeah. three. Um. Yeah, we could have been 3-0. Like, I think we hit the post, didn't we? Yeah,
1: I think, yeah, I think it was Doyle, weren't it? Yeah.
3: yeah Doyle at the post. I hit the bar. I think just clipped the yeah. top of the bar. Um, we, were, we were unbelievable. And it just... It, for whatever reason, the personnel in that shape on that night just worked.
1: Because
3: mm. Bestie up top on his own was unbelievable. I'm, to this day, probably one of the best up front on your own performances I've seen mean.
1: did, he, did he play that night
3: did he Leon Burst
1: yeah yeah Yeah. It was one player on, on never, yeah. I thought he was lazy I never liked him at Cov
3: yeah Cov fans never really took to him but he was one that in training he was unreal unreal um, but in, in matches he would be poor but then he'd have the occasional match where you think this guy's unplayable he's got everything yeah and Against Man United, it was one of those nights. He was unbelievable. And then Misford was on the left. I was on the right. Um, Doyler, uh, Tabby, who was unreal on that day, and um, Stevie Hughes in the middle. Um, it was... Um, it, 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 everything just worked that night, and we worked our absolute socks off. I remember um, the running stats after the game that we got given, and I think everyone ran over, like, 12K. Jesus Christ. I can't yeah. even believe
0: that at the minute. <laughs> 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 it's
2: it's I, funny you should say that about Bestie, though, because you both signed at the, the same threat, time, even. didn't you? What was that, sorry? I said, it's funny you should say that about Leon Best, because you both signed at the same time, and he had yeah. a really poor start to the season. And I remember that night, there was a load of talk on Cov fans um questioning why he was starting over certain players because of that poor start.
3: Yeah, Um and he was still a young lad at that time. I think he was, yeah. still, he was a year younger than me, so he would have been 20, 20 or 21. Um, so, yeah, he was still a young lad. And I think just because he was at Southampton, people thought he was going to come in and be the finished article and be the. But he was, in, in reality, he was still developing as a young player. Um, he went on to get an England Cup, didn't he? No, he played for Ireland. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, Dave, you're Irish as well. <laughs> you really should know this. No, I
1: got, I was thinking of Jay Buffroyd, weren't I? I got confused between them both. Oh,
0: Jesus. Bestie played his best football for us when he had that mask on. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: When, when he had the face. I don't know. He went for a spell where he was unplayable. And we. I, I, I remember at that point, that season, my season ticket was behind the goal in the telegraph stand. Um, and I remember there was a few of us around there that were asking him to keep his mask on even when he was fit, uh, just in case it was something psychological that kind of helped him get that little edge. <laughs> um, but, but what would it scenes like in the change room after the game at, at United? Like Obviously, you, you've done the unexpected. You beat them on our own turf. Maybe in a little bit disrespected that they've named a, a weaker side, but you've gone and done the job. Surely when you get in the change room, you know, spirits are high.
3: Oh, yeah, it was, it was like we'd achieved Mission Impossible, really. It was, it, it, yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. Um, one of the best feelings, or, or I guess one of the best performances I've ever been, probably the best performance I've ever been involved in. And, yeah, the feeling afterwards was great. I remember getting home, back into my apartment, and opening my duplex doors um, and just screaming. I didn't even say anything, it just screamed. Yes, yes.
0: Neighbours loved you that night. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, I think we'd have loved the night out, but it was a Wednesday and we had the game on the Saturday. So we could <laughs> we're back in training <laughs> on Thursday.
1: You, you uh, mentioned night. So, well, what was the drinking culture like at Cove when you were here? Was was there a drinking culture or was it in the doughy? Was it all strict?
3: No, there wasn't really a drinking culture. We, we did used to go out, though. We used to, um, used to go out in Lemington quite a bit. Okay. Um, and there was, there was actually really, there was more of a afternoon coffee club culture. <laughs> 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 yeah, we always used to finish training or, and, and go and have a cup of coffee at Starbucks in Lemington in the afternoon. Um,
0: D- you, know, you say there's not a drinking culture. I'm sure there was a couple of lads. We all know of one. We, we touched on him earlier. Yeah, Kevin Thornton. <laughs> Kev How frustrating is it to see someone like Kevin who had bags of ability who just never fulfilled his potential?
3: Kev was the best five-a-side player you'll ever meet. <laughs> Honestly. So I, I, I couldn't believe that. He was so good in five sides. It was a joke. Um, he just, like you say, he just fit. The thing is, you say fitness was an issue for him. When we did fitness tests, he would be one of the front runners. And you think, how can you win all the fitness tests, but then when you play in an 11-a-side game in the league, look so unfit?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's because the fitness test he still had the Red Bull in his system from the Vodka Red Bull the night before <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I, he's just one of those players that I was so excited about because he, you can see he had all the ability in the world um, and you, you look at the guys like yourself, Chris Birchell who come from a lower level and worked your way up to that point do, 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 part of you not like, want to grabbing by the scruff of the neck, like, Kev, sort of
1: its out.
3: Yeah, find
1: of. um, Did you know his players, yeah. Robbie, how bad he was of, of, for, for the drink?
3: He was kind of... Um, do you know what? I don't think when I was there, he was ever... Like, he'd never used to come into training drunk or anything. You, you knew he loved the night out, and you knew he mixed with people in Coventry.
1: Um, yeah. To be fair, Neil was one of
3: them. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, to be fair, I, I, I did have a few nights out with Kev. To be fair,
1: yeah, and,
3: and like you say, like when when I say drinking culture, like we used to go on nights out. So if we didn't have a Tuesday game and we played at home on the Saturday, we'd all we'd all have a night out. Um, but I think Kev was probably the only one who went out with locals. Yeah, yeah
0: he was. He was always well, in jumping jacks in Cov. Always yeah. in you just think like you guys went out in Leamington. You're less likely to bump into supporters. Obviously, you get you'll get the odd few, but you're less likely to. So you can kind of be a little bit more relaxed. And if you've lost on a Saturday and you go out the Saturday night, you're less likely to get a bit of stick. But yeah. I remember bumping into Kev um, in Cov and we'd played Cardiff. It may have been the season before you joined Robbie. But him and David McNamee had gone off injured in the first half, Cardiff away, and at seven o'clock he's in Cov, in a pub. Yeah. And you, and, you know, and we've lost that game. You just think there's blokes yeah, in yeah. here that would die to be in your position. And and that, that was just one thing that really infuriated me with them. It,
3: yeah, it's a shame. Um, it- Oh, then maybe someone should have got a grip on him. Um, and I guess that from coming over from Ireland so young, he, mm. he didn't really have a, a father figure as such over here. And he got he got led astray by, well, I guess by being bored, really. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah I reckon so. Um, yeah, so it's tough, it, it's tough on him. Sorry, and my dog going mental now. That's all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, while, while you're at Cov Rob, um, Dowie it um, doesn't work out with him. He gets sacked. Coleman comes in. How was Chris? Um, different. Different. I very much
3: um, felt from Chris um, that he saw me as a non-league player that's been given a chance. Straight Whereas, away? Yeah. Wow. Whereas Dowie obviously saw me as a, had, that someone had, who, who had real potential. And yeah, I think I think Chris Coleman probably came in and said didn't know who I was probably and said, "Well, who's who's this lad? We signed him from non-league. He's probably not good enough because uh, he wants to make changes." But that that's the feeling I got, um, and I did force myself into the into the team at certain stages, but I never felt like I would remain in the team. I always thought that as soon as some as soon as I didn't have a eight, nine, ten out of ten game, as soon as I had a six or a seven, I would be out of the team. And um that was that was disappointing really. And mentally it was tough. It was tough because I'm working so hard and I feel like you know, no disrespect, but at the time obviously he signed Freddie Eastwood. Yeah. And yeah. and in my opinion he was lazy in training. He was he, he wasn't performing in on the pitch on a Saturday either. Um, but he's always going to play ahead of me, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, mm. and no matter how many reserve games I do really well in and score. It was, it was tough mentally. Um, to Wasn't Clinton
1: Morrison there as well?
3: Yeah, Clinton was there. Yeah, I loved Clinton. Great guy, helped, helped me a lot. Um, he, was, he, he was great, and I felt like he was good for the team as well, actually. He, he was really good when he played. Um, And obviously the other forwards were Leon McKenzie and and Bestie. Um, And like you say, I was kind of moved out to the right and I I played a fair amount on the right and the odd odd game on the left. And and then he brought Jordan Henderson in on loan. (laughs) (laughs) And he played on the right instead of me, really. And that was... I remember going to see him, going to see Chris Coleman saying, look, like, I, think I, deserve a ch- I think I deserve a chance in the team. Um, but there's other players that aren't performing and I'm working my nuts off in training and performing in reserve games. I-, I want a chance in the team. And I remember he did give me a chance against Sheffield United at home the, day- the game before we played Chelsea in the quarterfinal final FA Cup. And Sheffield United were doing really well at the time. And he- I think he played me up front with Freddie Woodward. He he made a few other changes. I think Jordan Henderson played on the right. I can't remember who played on the left. Um, But it's weird. I felt like he gave me a chance in a game that he knew would be one of the toughest games. Yeah. Chris Morgan playing centre-back. And I was still a 23-year-old kid playing against Chris Morgan, experienced experience like him. And
1: He's an animal as well
3: <laughs> yeah, expected to be a target man and for the team, and maybe I wasn't quite ready for that game, and I certainly maybe needed more support up there than playing with Freddie if I'd have yeah, played yeah. up there if I'd have played up there with bestie or with Clinton, I think it might have been different um but to essentially play up front on my own because Freddie liked to drift and play in number ten and drop into midfield it was. It was a tough game for me. And um, I remember afterwards in the changing room, he, he said, don't come knocking on my door again. <laughs>
2: what? So, Jesus Yeah, Jesus. that's a bit
3: harsh, that is. Yeah, so it was... I felt it was a bit harsh, and I felt like I got hung out to dry a little bit. But at the end of the day, he, he can turn around and say he gave me a chance, and
1: and I didn't perform. Um, yeah, but it's only one game, though. You can't just play on one game, can you? No.
0: Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although one game you did perform in um, and we have to bring this up and I'm sure you know this is coming Robbie you scored against Chef Wednesday <laughs> yeah. um, and then proceeded to to look to the corner flag and go yeah I'm going for that
3: what yeah. happened next mate? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'll never ever live this down <laughs> <laughs> It's been on. It's been on. Question of sport. What happens next? It's been on room one hundred and one. It's yeah. been on at football's funniest moments every Christmas day I've ever. Yeah. I'll never ever live that down. Do you know what? I thought I got away with it. I, thought, I, thought, I, thought I got away with it.
0: Not a chance, Aaron mate.
3: Gunnison, Aaron Gunnison, after the game, just when it all went quiet after the team talk, he said who saw Simo's celebration? <laughs> Everyone I just burst out laughing
0: and I thought, oh God, I haven't got away with it then. So, see, I, I, I was behind the goal you scored in at the time and I was like, obviously I'd lost my head a little bit and I didn't see it at the time So I was too busy hugging a random stranger uh, and it <laughs> weren't until watching the goals back on telly that night and I'd seen it and I was like, oh, why did I see that at the time? And like you say, I've seen it replayed about 50,000 times since. Um, did you have a word with the groundsman afterwards? Like, mate, come on, just, just walk the the future.
3: No, I, I, I iced my knees and my face for a good hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, and obviously the next question, did you ever try a knee-side celebration again?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. He's scared. Haunt me to it, mate.
1: <laughs> Brilliant,
0: mate. Brilliant. Um, you, you mentioned that Jordan Henderson come in to play on the right-hand side. Um, did you see the ability and potential in Jordan Henderson then uh, as to what he's now gone on to achieve?
3: I definitely saw his fitness. And I definitely knew that he was a player that um, had great vision because a lot of the time a ball would come into him and he would look to play a first-time ball. And maybe we weren't quite on the same page. Mm. um. I definitely saw there was potential. I didn't think it would happen so quickly, like when he went back to Sunderland and then straight away got put in the first team. Yeah, And and he played centre-mid for them. I I wouldn't say I saw that at all. Um, Or certainly not that quickly. I knew he could be a a first-team, a top-end championship first-team footballer or a Sunderland first-team football player. But to go on and go on and do what he's done is, is probably just testament to his work ethic because he always, yeah. lad, he always worked his socks off. And he, he without a doubt, is one of those players that has made the most out of his ability.
1: Yeah. What was he like as a person?
3: He was quite quiet, really quiet. I mean, he was only 19. Mm. Um, and I'll probably say now I never envisaged him being a captain when yeah. he with us, and he was he was really really quiet. He got on really well with Aaron Gunnarsson. They, they, um, I think they either lived together or lived next door in their apartments, and so they got on really really well. Yeah, just a lovely kids. Worked his nut off. W- was was technically, but the rise that he had so quickly from leaving us to within within I think two years signing for Liverpool. Um, I didn't I didn't see it coming. I definitely mm. saw the potential to be a very, very good, probably a Premier League player, but never a captain of Liverpool FC. Who was your
1: best mate at head,
3: um, Me and Bestie signed the same day, so me and Bestie got on really well. Um,
1: still talk to him now?
3: Yeah, still talk to him now, yeah. Um, and I still talk to Clinton now. Um, still talk to Leon McKenzie now. We, got, we get on really well. Um yeah, I wouldn't say I'm one of them that never really has best mates that they're my they're my best mates. I'll s i will probably should mention Scott Dam. He's he is our oh, class. Definitely
1: definitely class he was. Is,
3: yeah. He is what I'd class as one of my one of my best friends. Um so he's yeah, he's great and um yeah, I'd like to think I I got on with everybody and I still keep in touch with 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 the majority of them,
1: Kieran Westwood was he as difficult as you read in the papers?
3: Um, no, not really. No, he's he's a he's a, he's a lovely bloke. He um, he had a big opinion of himself, but that that kind of um, helped him in his performance. So I think He, he, was, a say, he teacher, was a great player,
0: keeper. So. And he was one of the gold before. You mentioned Scotty, Dan and Gunnar as well. Danny Fox, like, I personally think had one of the best left have I've seen for a while. But yeah. I've heard he was an absolute nutter off the pitch and him and Scott, Dan were thick as thieves. Um, no.
3: No? No, no, not all. like I, I Yeah, I do you know what? I didn't mention Foxy, but I get on really well with Foxy. We've, we've been on holiday as families together. He's... um. He's the most paranoid person you'll ever meet. <laughs> really? I, I did see that. He'll get um a fly or bite him, and he thinks someone's injected him with something. He's so paranoid. He's one of the most paranoid people you'll ever meet, but he's a lovely, lovely lad. Him and Scotty Dan are really different. They're totally different people. Scotty Dan's quiet, reserved. You know, not on any, never been any on any form of social media, really. He has got Instagram, but he, he hardly uses any of this stuff like that. He's just proper timid, keeps himself to himself kind of guy. Very um, old school. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I wouldn't say, I definitely wouldn't say they're thick as thieves, but they knew each other, obviously, because they come from Walsall together. So yeah. they knew each other, but they're, they're totally different people, but both. Both great people in their own own rights.
1: We asked you about Henderson, Robbie. Um, if you if you thought he would go on to do what he what he did, Chris Coleman, did you think he'd go on and have the career he had? Obviously, with the Welsh getting to the semi-finals of the European Championships.
3: No, and I remember saying at the time after one of his interviews, um, he gave a really really inspiring interview after they won maybe the court final. Uh, and I th- I just said that I would never ever see. I never ever saw that from him to give that type of speech ever. And to be honest with you, like, we would go weeks sometimes only seeing Chris Coleman on a match day because Steve Keane would do everything. Steve Keane, really? yeah, Steve Keen would do all the coaching, all the tactics. And then Chris Coleman would pick a team and give a team talk before and at half time. That Steve Keane
1: went on to manage Blackburn as well, didn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You got a, you got
0: a raw deal out there as well, I think. Because uh, it was under yeah, the, it the, the, it. the the, the Venkie's owners and stuff. And uh, I think he got kind of held out a little bit as a bit of a scapegoat. But it, it, everyone who's played for him says he was a good coach. So yeah. you, you, you can see that he, he obviously had something about him. Um, but, but under Common, obviously, that kind of led towards the end of your sort of time at Carth. When did you know the right was on the wall? Um.
3: I'm not sure, really. Um, I had another year on my deal, and I think um, when they so I signed a two-year deal, but then um, it got extended a year because I'd made a certain amount of appearances. Yeah. And when I made a certain amount of appearances, it was basically a renegotiation of at least one year on at least the same terms. And when it was the minimum they could extend it for. <laughs> that was just the one year and it was on the same terms. I kind of knew that maybe I wouldn't, wasn't. And, and the general feeling that like I, I got from Chris Coleman that I was never going to be starting every week for yeah. for him. And, you know, I'd had two years of being a bench player, starting a few, coming out. I'd had two years of that. And I thought, if I hadn't then in two years established myself as a starting centre forward, or at least, you know, a, a, uh, one of the main centre forwards in a three or in a four, then um, then it was probably my time to go.
0: Mm.
3: In hindsight, I wish I hadn't. I really wish I hadn't have left. Um, what, what is that?
0: Well, Cookie didn't stick around long, did it? After that, so you never know if the new gaffer's going to come in and give you a shot.
3: Yeah, and I had the, the old players like Clinton and, and Scotty and others messaging me like a month or two after I left saying, you should have stayed, you'd, you'd be playing.
1: Mm. Do, do you think if Dowie stayed, it would have been different? Do you think you would have got a, a proper run in the team under Dowie?
3: I think so, yeah. But, I mean, when he left, he actually, he actually said to me that I'm going to give you a run of 10 games regardless of how you play, you're going to start the next 10 games. That was before he He basically said that. So, um, yeah, that was disappointing. And I think, I think it would have been different. Um, yeah, it yeah, sounds was- <laughs> It, hindsight's a wonderful thing because I I went to Huddersfield thinking I'd be the the main man and hoping that I'd be the main man to get us promoted from League One back into the into the Championship and I'd be a Championship player again and mm. a main man in the Championship with Huddersfield. It didn't it, it didn't work out like that and I, in truth I was always scrambling then to get back into the Championship. So I spent I think six years um six years in league one six or seven years in league one yeah. always grambling to try and get back to the championship where i mm-hmm. thought and mm-hmm. in all honesty i thought with my ability that's that's mm-hmm. the highest level i could play the championship um and one of the main reasons i probably i'm a bit like jordan henson i overachieved in my ability because of how hard i worked and um having played in the championship yeah. i knew i could Right at that level and, and do an okay job. So I wanted to get back to the championship ever since. It didn't. And unfortunately, I never, never achieved that. Come close.
0: What's the Crack podcast? Follow us on social media for all of the latest news, releases, and giveaways. at what's the Crack PC?
1: No. You you, but, you lost in um, a couple of playoff finals with Exeter, didn't you? As well to get to win promotion at one point.
3: Yeah, so I was at Huddersfield the first year we lost in the playoff semi final, even though I, mm. I was injured most of the year. Um, and the next year we lost in the playoff fight, Huddersfield lost in the playoff fight, although I spent the whole season on loan at Brentford. And then the, the year after that, I left Huddersfield in the January to join Oldham, and they got promoted to the championship by the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I lost to play a final with Leighton Orient in, in League One to get promoted to the Championship Rotherham and beat us when we were tuning mm-hmm. up at half time. so I came Jesus. close then
1: as well. how many then times I... you lost to Wembley four four.
3: Had you, had you ever won that? four and one at Old Trafford because the the one we with Huddersfield that they lost to Peterborough was at Old Peterborough
0: Trafford. yeah Craig McHale Smith scored I remember that game um, yeah. one of my good mates is a Huddersfield fan and I, meant, I, I texted him this morning and kind of said I was having a chat with you just to see if there was anything to, you know, to bring up about your time at Huddersfield and he remembers just how frustrated the fans were and the fact that they thought they had an absolute gem but to just the injuries like how frustrating is that you know, you think, like you say you've gone to a side like Huddersfield to be the main man thinking you can get back to the championship level but you know, your body's just playing tricks on you
3: yeah, and it was a weird injury. It was, um, well, in actual fact, the, the first, I say, injury was an illness. I picked up swine flu. Um, I remember
1: that when that was all going about.
3: Mm. Yeah, so that was the summer it was all going about, and I picked up swine flu, and I was literally throwing my guts up and from, well from both ends for five days straight. And then I came, I came back, and um, Jordan Rhodes had just started scoring every single week. Um, him and Mm -hmm. Lino were scoring every week. So I couldn't get back in the team because of them. They were doing so well. And then I picked up a little niggly thigh injury that just wouldn't go away. I'd do all the rehab properly. I'd work hard to get back and get fit. And then I'd come back into training and the first shot I'd take, I'd feel it go again. Mm -hmm. And that happened probably probably six times that I'd do four to six weeks of rehab. And and then come back into training and the first shot I'd take or I'd take a couple of shots, getting the feel up and then I'd really unleash a shot and I feel my thigh again then that, and that that went on for like 8 months and jesus I, I eventually saw a specialist and managed to um manage to to, to get it sorted and get it fixed and um by that time, we were it. It was basically two games before before the playoffs. So I I came on in in the in one of those games, and then the playoffs I didn't feature, um, and we lost to Millwall in, the, in those semi-finals. So yeah, it's really frustrating. And
0: mm.
3: me and me and Lee Clark, manager at the time, had our run-ins because of it because he understandably spent some money on me hoping like the fans hope that I'd be the main man to fire them into the championship. And it didn't work out like that because mainly because I was injured. And you feel a lot of pressure with the prize tag. No, not really. Not, not really. If I did, I was happy with that pressure. Um, and I felt confident with it, but, um, it was just, it was just the injury. I just couldn't get it right. That was the most frustrating thing. That was the, that was the pressure, really, just trying to get myself fit so I so I could be that, so I could be what I knew I, well, I could show what I knew I could be for Huddersfield and um, that pre-season I was desperate to stay there and prove that I could be that main man. But Lee Clark had already made his decision that he wanted rid of me and he wanted to bring Alan Lee in to be to be what he thought I could be. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, what was he, he like did... as a manager to play under? Horrible, was it? Horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Just a bully, really. Really, a, mm. yeah. A, a bully. He would. He would. He would often. He would often scream at players nonstop all game. Um, in fairness to him, he wasn't a bad coach at all. He was actually his sessions were were really good and detailed, and Derek Fazakali helped out a lot with that. Derek mm. Sackley was a very good coach, a very thoughtful coach, um, but Lee, Lee Clark just wasn't, he was a good coach, but wasn't a nice person, in my opinion.
1: Did anyone ever go back at him when he's screaming at him? They wouldn't there. No, maybe was, was, was he that kind of ruled that much, people scared of him? Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't there. Uh, you, you've mentioned your time at Huddersfield, you, you did have low moves away. Um, places like Brentford, Oldham, Leighton Orient. What was it like like when you went back to Cambridge United? Was it kind of a hero's welcome back?
3: Yeah, it was. It was. It was good. And they'd just been promoted from into the Football League for the first time in however many years. So it was really good. And they were kind of riding a a, a good wave there. And there's a good feeling around the club. And then when I went back, it kind of even more. uh, That was really, really good. And um, yeah, I I loved it there, loved it. I didn't, again, I didn't really want to leave, um, but there was a change of manager, and uh, I finished top scorer there in my first season back. And second season, there was a change of manager, and Sean Derry came in, who who I actually got on really well with. um, But he pulled me in and said that he he wants to bring in his own his own players, and I wasn't. With the money that I was on, he didn't consider me a a starter. And and I was on a starting player's salary. So
1: Mm.
3: he just said it's nothing nothing personal. Didn't didn't you think
1: I was top scorer last season? This is bang out of order. What are you playing at? A
3: bit, yeah. Because the, the detail in it was that in my contract, I needed another three appearances to get another year anyway and he pulled me in with those three appearances left to get and said he wasn't, he wasn't going to play me anymore because he can't afford to keep me next year on because on, uh, he doesn't yeah, keep me next year so um he wasn't going to play me and at the time we were mounting a real playoff charge really we were just outside the playoffs and we were on a good form and I was coming on off the bench mainly with him and making a difference, you know, when we needed something, I would come on and, and more often than not produce and help us win matches. And for and him then to say he's not going to play me anymore because of my clause in my contract that I got another year, I kind of said to him, well, like you're giving up on the playoffs. And he said, well, I don't think I am. And I said, well, I'm telling you, you are. And... <laughs> Um and, and yeah it, it, I, I I I ended up saying look I I want to get promoted so take that clause out of my contract I'm fine but I want to carry on that's fine with me you don't want me next year but I want to carry on playing this is the club I love it's where I started I want to help them get promoted mm. and then, so I ended up taking that clause out of my contract and then we we just missed out on the playoffs I think we finished 8th um and and then I left that summer
1: so talking of managers you played under, um, we have to mention him because he's probably the worst manager we've ever ever had at Cardiff, Russell Slade.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> late yeah. yeah. I would say that he's Russell Slade is a motivator. And at the lower levels, he could probably motivate those players quite well. But when you get up into the championship level you need more than that and in actual fact it's probably the least thing you need you need tactical nous you need a good coach which he wasn't a good coach he was a he's a good man and and was a good motivator at those levels but i never saw him as a championship manager at all
0: no we didn't see him as a league one manager neither um (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it, it it really just didn't work out when he was at Cough. Uh, I don't know if it was the players you brought in, the system we tried to play in, but it was just I, I think he, he didn't last long at all. Um uh, and then obviously Mike Robbins came back. Um
1: you, you then my... yeah, side him. away, legend. Have you have you met uh, him?
3: Um I, I've spoke to him. You, you know when you're I don't have I I didn't have an agent from the age of twenty seven. So when I was out of contract some summers or when I, I used to just text managers directly and some managers well, I, I, used to I, I,
1: ask him for a move.
3: Yeah, just asking whether they're interested in, in me. And um Fair play. it was always a no from Mark Robbins, but he'd always text back and say, Look, thank, thanks for the message. I hope you're well. He'd always text back, whereas some managers would just blank you and not have the mm. DC text back. Yeah. Um and some managers would message you back and say yeah, I might be interested, and then just never call you again because they don't want to let you down. I'd much no. rather, I'd much rather it be a message like Mark Robbins messaged me and said, uh, "Thanks for your message. Um, like, really like you as a player, but um, we, we wouldn't be interested in, to sign you with commentary." And I'm, that's fine. You know, that's what yeah. you want as a as a player. Sort of putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You just want honesty, and yeah, and I think yeah. Mark Robbins and. In terms of just playing against his sides, just I was always impressed with him. Like he's not a ranter and raver on the sides; he's a very mm. much a thinking manager. Um, in the playoff final, where Coventry beat beat Exeter, yeah. um, you could see you could see that that he just tactically got that final spot on. And I know you scored some worldy goals that helps.
1: Uh, <laughs> I can say that again.
3: I think think
1: the biggest thing what Robin's got on that day, it was so hot that day, the first half, he kind of just kept it all quiet, then second half, we just went for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think it helped that we had 42,000 fans as well, just kind of, that's got to G you up as a player, hasn't it? You know, you're at Wembley and then you go out and you just see just a wave of sky blue as it was that day and just be like, yeah, we're up for this.
3: Yeah. I think the biggest that. was that I stayed on the bench the whole game. <laughs> that's <what I'm>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robbie, obviously we touched on that game. One of my good mates is an actor to fan, he goes home and away with them. There's rumours around the club that before that game he'd already agreed to go to MK Dons and the players knew about it, so they weren't up for it.
3: No, that's that's false. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's false. Yeah, on both accounts. Um we know if we'd have won that game he would have stayed. Okay. Um so yeah, that's false. And, like, yeah, I've heard all those rumors as well that we didn't really want to get promoted, which I can't understand why that conspiracy theory is out there. But, yeah, no, we, we wanted to win the game. But for me, uh, Paul Tearsdale got it massively wrong and Mark Robbins got it
1: massively right. You say that, didn't you go and sign from MK Dons?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as tough as i was that he didn't he put me on the bench and then didn't put me on um you know i, I get on really well with with, with tis and he's a, he's a good man he's a thinking manager and um and yeah I, I i loved working with him for whatever reason that well i believe he got it wrong on the day and people can make mistakes um you know so yeah. How um, did you feel on the build-up
2: to that game, Robbie? You know, with, with all the, the stuff on the press, where it was like Cover sold out their end, they've sold 40,000 tickets, um, it's going to be a wall of sound. You knowing what the Cover away fans can be like in the away support, how how were you sort of approaching that game mentally and like filling the lads in on what we could be like? Um,
3: do you know what? I was excited for it, because I really believed that we were we were better than Coventry. I really believe <laughs> we were a better team. And- Obviously, we watched your playoff semis, and what a night! <laughs> yeah, it, but to be honest with you, it gave us more confidence because we we battered Notts County. Really, I think out of the two clubs, we would have rather have played you than Notts County because uh, that's that was our feeling at the time. Although we we battered Notts County away at their place, we we felt like that they did have more, more
1: potentially more threat than you guys. And it's funny you say that as fans, we didn't want Lincoln, we wanted Exeter.
0: Yeah, yeah, we wanted Exeter, not Lincoln.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you were right
3: I, and we were wrong. <laughs> but to, to, to but be yeah, fair,
0: you've had a great side. Was Jaden Stockley still with you guys at that point? Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he, well, he, he's gone on in that, uh gone to Preston, was it? Yeah, went to Preston. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really like the look of him, to be fair, um, that day.
3: He's, he's a really good player, he's got a bit of everything, he's, He's obviously a big lad, really amazing in the air. But he's got a great touch. He, he's a great finisher with both feet, and he's reasonably mobile. He's not quick, but he he can mm. he can move and he works hard. So he's he's got a bit of everything, other than electric pace, really. How good uh, was Ollie Watkins? Ah, oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. You could tell right from, and obviously Ethan Ampadu was there as well. And yeah. Um, I remember the first training session that Ethan joined in with us when he was fifteen. Um, I just couldn't believe it i couldn't I could not believe how good he was he I'd not seen anything like him before um and you just i just knew straight away he was destined for a big big club he was and you couldn't really yeah. put your finger on what because even at fifteen he he wasn't he wasn't rapid he what he was skinny. It, it was just his reading of the game. He played football like he was a twenty-eight, twenty-nine-year-old veteran at, at yeah. the age of fifteen. So yeah, he, him and Ollie Just Ollie Oli's incredible. He's um, he's got. He's again. He's got everything. He has got pace, power, um, trickery, can finish, and yeah, he's he, he's obviously flying now at, at Villa. The main They've men. had
1: some great young kids actors act over the years, and they always make a lot of profit yeah. as well.
3: Yeah, that's their model, you know. They've got a really good academy. They produce their own. They give their own a chance in men's football, and 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 that, that tends to accelerate their development to to move on and, and sell for money. That that that's their model, and I think it's a great one.
1: Just kind of touch on the end of your career. Did you always want to manage, or did it was it just kind of sprung upon you?
3: It was sprung upon me, really. I never thought about being a manager, really. Um, i would had people say to me that I'd be a good manager, but I never really thought anything of it. Um, and, yeah, it just fell on me, really. Obviously, uh, when when I left MK Dons and decided to, to go part-time, I just wanted to play part-time football whilst I got on with another career um, and he's he's. Maybe spend the next two or three years playing part time whilst I get settled in a new career and then properly retire. Um, but but our manager departed and I was the oldest, most experienced in the dressing room, um, so they asked me to take interim charge. And then we ended up after yeah, after the first four games. I think we lost the first four games. Um, <laughs> we then were unbeaten in the next four games, beating top of the league and drawing to second in the league in the process and. I started to enjoy it more, and they offered me offered me the role. And originally, I said no. Um, but the longer it went on, the, the more I started to enjoy it, and, and thought, yeah, I'll give it a go.
1: And Actually, favorite, but, some good managers to kind of learn from over your career as well. Mm.
3: Yeah, take, like I said, played with many different ones. Those like long list of clubs you named. Um, take a take a bit of good and a bit of not so good from all of them.
0: Who, who what manager thinks had had the most influence on you? One as a player, but now as you've gone
3: into management as well? Um I think probably a mixture of Dowie and Tisdale. Mm. Yeah, I think mixture of mixture of those two. Very much um well, Tisdale is a very much thinking manager who kind of goes against the grain, which I yeah, which I really like. And Dowie, as a as a people person and as a coach was was great. So I think the mixture of those two I take the most positives.
1: How was the transition into? So obviously, you've played football your whole life, so tactically and stuff, you kind of know what you're doing. How is it to kind of go from a player to managing players who have personal problems? saying oh my message is not very well today I'm struggling with drinking is, is it hard to deal with personal problems when you've never done it before
3: yeah it's tough yeah it is tough you don't really see that side like from the outside like you think the manager can use the team and picks the tactics yeah. yeah I think I said to someone and it's a bit different you know, you obviously hit straight away from me taking yeah. the job but I don't think in a week since I've become player manager that i solely been able to justify the football. Mm. Natural tactics is probably the last 20% like what we're doing this, this weekend, game, tactics, yeah. position. It's probably 20% of my week, so every week is is on football alone, which which goes to show a lot that management isn't just about picking a team and picking tactics. It's a lot more and it's, and it's tough and time-consuming and it's I used to think as well as a player um oh the manager hasn't spoke to me he doesn't like me well really that's not the case the manager's just got so much stuff to do and to think about that you just might be forgotten about and he in his mind he might be thinking he needs to speak to you and he wants to speak to you but there's so much other stuff going on that that he ends up doesn't speaking to you and, and stuff like that so little things like that that throughout my career as a player I thought Oh, the managers, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, but I never really saw it from his point of view. But now I definitely can <laughs> because I'm in that position. So, yeah. Uh,
0: are you tempted t- t- to like, give yourself the armbands, be on penalties, be on free kicks, be on corners? On <laughs> 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 the gaffer can't argue with me, sort of thing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Do you know why It's so hard playing and being a manager. Yeah, I bet. Me- mentally, it's so hard because... Even on the pitch, and I've tried it a couple of times in pre season where I started myself. And You're just on the pitch and you're so focused on the team and the team tactics, etc. Whilst I'm on the pitch, I'm not focusing on my own game. Yeah, it's, it, it's so hard to do both, and I don't think there's any surprise that there's not many player managers out there. Yeah, well,
1: but what, what's the end goal, Robbie? Do you want to move? Do you want would you love to manage Cambridge, or do you want to kind of pack it in and go into stuff away from football?
3: Um, yeah, I don't really have any aspirations to be a full time manager um, at all. Really, I'm happy at this level. Um, you know, a couple of evenings a week and a Saturday. Uh, yeah. still being involved in football that way. I've got, I've got obviously other things that I, that I do in my day job. I've got a day job as a financial advisor, and also I run, run a company called Laps Life After Professional Sport. Um, that I kind of see as like my side passion project so um I'm busy anyway and I don't really want like my new career as a financial advisor for example is going great I mean I'm a year into it now over a year and over a year into it and and loving it and I don't want it to to end and I wouldn't I wouldn't end it for a job, for a job as in cure as being a manager at a football club. <laughs> yeah, just Just
1: to touch on life after professional sport, I, I was reading about it for a little bit last night. Was that because you struggled when you finished? Is that why you got into that, or is it just a kind of something to do?
3: I think throughout my career, I'd always seen my teammates, elder teammates, retire, or perhaps younger teammates just not get off the deals and, and struggle. And it was kind of on the periphery all the time. and never really thought too much of it. And then it wasn't until I was out of contract having left Oldham and I spent like five or six months out of contract before I joined Leighton Orient. And during that time, you know, that could have well been the end of my football career. Mm. Um, and it was, it, it, it happened before I wanted it to before I even knew it, if if that was the case. And I didn't feel like there was, the necessary or the needed support there for that situation from either the club or the PFA or, or anywhere really. So I thought that something needed to, needed to be put in place for that, for that scenario. And um yeah, so I, I guess own personal experiences, but also from, from seeing teammates suffer
1: um, post-career, now you're a financial advisor. Do we get someone come in and think, Jesus, that's Robbie Simpson? And do you still get noticed now outside the game?
3: Uh, some, sometimes, yeah, not as often. Let's like say you. One of the big problems with retiring from football is you're soon forgotten. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I still do. Yeah, not as often, but I still do on the odd occasion, especially when that clip of my celebration comes up every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, man. I, I had to. I, I, I couldn't have had this conversation with you and not bring that up. Let's make it a bit chirpier. Um, what was the best goal you ever scored?
3: Uh, at Anfield against Liverpool for Oldham. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I remember you, you that game. That, I I just yeah, yeah, yeah left foot volley from 30 yards. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that, really. <laughs>
0: me. You'll uh, take that. You'll take that Who's, the best,
1: who's the best manager you played under?
3: Oh, um, I will say the one that I've achieved my one promotion with, Paul Tisdale. Yeah,
0: I, I can I, I can see that. Um, the promotion game, is that the best game of football you've been involved in when that promotion got confirmed? Or, or was it Old Trafford? Anfield?
3: <laughs> um, well, not Anfield, because we ended up losing 5-1 that game. But we can played them. Sure, the- mate, forget about that. Yeah. We played them the season after and beat them three two at home. I remember that game. Um but yeah, it's a tough call between the old Trafford game and um and the and the promotion winning game. It's a tight call between those two. Mm. It was because at Old Trafford there wasn't any pitch invasion because it's old Trafford. And, <laughs> but the atmosphere behind that you guys had behind that goal that day was Incredible, and the, obviously, the game going to Old Trafford and beating them. And at the time, not many teams have beaten Manu at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a few more now, um, but yeah, the yeah, it's a t- tough call between Old Trafford and, and the promotion one.
1: What's your best Christmas party story that you can tell about getting people into trouble? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, uh. <laughs> Probably the one where our Christmas due got cancelled because we were in the next day because we lost. I was at Oldham. Paul Dickoff was a manager, and um, who's another really good guy, by the way. Um, yeah. he, uh, we lost to Swindon 2-0 at home, and it was the day of our Christmas due, and we'd paid for everything. We paid for the hotel, the night out, and after the game, he just said, none of you are allowed out tonight. You're all in tomorrow. Like at 9 a.m., we thought, oh god, but then obviously we all went home and then the text started firing around. Do you fancy going out anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there was about I think there was about eight of us that did end up going out and getting absolutely battered and then somehow getting into training the next day and just surviving. We just had to survive, <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> go through it, find out. Uh, uh not that we know of. He might have, but Wait, not well, he, he has now.
2: What's the what's the best goal you've seen live, Robbie? So it could be like from spectating or from playing. Um That is a good question.
3: Um That is a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> can I say my own against Liverpool yeah. of course you can babe. of course you can why not but to yeah, be fair,
0: it. yeah that one <laughs> why not um and then the final question we'll ask is, is my baby this one um which is why it's me asking it what's your unpopular opinion in football so um for, for an example of what someone's given we've had a supporter that said that they dislike Wembley as a stadium um Okay. I've, I've personally said I don't want Cardiff to, right. go in, I, I don't want Kof to in the Premier League because I think VAR's is right football. Um, if you got anything along those sort of lines,
3: they're both fair comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah. yeah, you probably
0: do have a dislike of Wembley, mate.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, my dislike in football is, um, the dis dishonesty of it. And and politics,
0: is is it as political as it seems?
3: Yeah, it really, it can be. Yeah. And I just think that if, if if, it's a hard one, but if people were just honest, it's, it'll make everything a lot better and the industry a lot better. Um, I suppose your political
2: comment there, you could go back to your Chris Coleman comment where he just said, "Don't, don't come knock on my door again after he'd sort of put you in the deep end. That, that, to to me, from this point of view, that looks like he was playing his little politics to get his his way and make it look good for him.
3: Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um,
0: and, and then yeah. you have got the opposite with Matt Robbins when you send a text, who says, "Yeah, not for me, mate, but all the best." Yeah,
3: yeah. exactly.
0: It, 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 if, if everyone's like that, then the world's a lot a, a lot nicer place, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. If if there's more managers like him, and that's rare, I think he's a rarity. Then it's not only managers, it's agents, it's players as well. Just everyone was just a little bit more honest and, and not thinking that, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's that's...
1: <laughs> just before we go into your all time 11, Rob, you mentioned agents there and you mentioned previously after you were 27, 28, you, you never had an agent. Why is that? I just don't trust them because obviously I'm not in the game, but the opinion I get, they're all out for themselves, couldn't care about the players, they just want to make a few quid.
3: Yeah. I... I... There's an argument for them because I understand that some players can't deal with situations where they have to go and speak to the CEO, for example, and negotiate their own deal. Um, they don't have the balls to text managers when they're out of contract asking whether there's any interest because they don't want to hear the negatives. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do think there is a place for them, absolutely, um, as long as they're good and, and do things for you rather than themselves. Uh, yeah, rather than for themselves. And ultimately agents aren't, should be seen as players as employees. Not, yeah, no, no,
0: no. I, 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 I agree. Rather than you look at some agents, especially some of the super agents I'm going to put in a uh uh yeah. your likes of Raiola that looks after Pogba yeah. and uh, Ibrahimovic and the like, that he uses those players as pawns to move around and get as much money as possible. You just think think of the lads' career more than anything. Uh, that, that's, that's one thing that gets me about them. But... Yeah. yeah, like I, yeah. I, 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 can, I can see why they're there.
3: Yeah. And my agent I had at the time did something. It was the same agent as, as Scott Dan and Danny Fox. And he did something underhand with Scott Dan. So immediately I said, well, that's, that's me and you, Dan, as well. Because Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If, if well, that, was, it, that, it was... was that
1: when Danny went to Blues from Cove?
3: When Scott went to lose from Cove, no, it was, it was after it was after that, and it wasn't really okay. football related either. Um, oh, I was on. Yeah, it's.
2: I mean, um, the, the, there's one game we also haven't touched on, um, when we played Chelsea at the Rico. How was that?
3: Um, mate, but to be honest with you, because the game before was that Sheffield United game we spoke about. Mm. I, I knew I was going to be on the bench and. I was yeah. still hoping to would bring me on, especially when we were 1-0 down and 2-0 down. I was hoping it would bring me on, um, but he never did. So I was. it was a great occasion. It was great to see the Rico, I think, for the first time since I was a player, full.
1: Yeah. The first yeah, time since we'd been there.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Chelsea at the time were full of, you know, I think they were, they were Premier League winners at the time, weren't they? So to see them players live and was great. And to, to play in an FA Cup court-final, or say to play, to be involved yeah. in an FA
1: Cup quarter final yeah. Just uh, one more question, Rob. It probably does... It could be the Chelsea game, it could be anything. What's the best shirt you've ever swapped with and, and you've still got it?
3: Oh, um that's, that's a tough one as well. <laughs> um, I got Jordan Henson's when we played Liverpool, so I guess from other people's perspective a champions league captain winner yeah you'll uh, take that i'll take that but i got <laughs> i got roque santa Cruz's, which at the time when we played blackburn um, at the time everybody wanted roque santa Cruz's shirt when we played them and i yeah. um, me and him were me and him on the bench, and as we were warming up together, I just said, oh, can I have your shirt after the game? And he said, yeah, of course. And we both came on, and then when we swapped it on the pitch, and I remember all the other co players come up to so me saying, I can't believe you got your shirt. <laughs> 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 have you still got them? Yeah, yeah, I've still got them, yeah. I remember asking Michael Owen for his when we played Newcastle that time. Um, yeah. But he he got the winner five,
1: lot, didn't
3: he? Yeah, he got the winner, yeah. He came on and got the winner. And I remember him saying that... Um, about five other people had already asked him, so I had
0: no chance. Yeah, I've only got one shirt, lads, so I do apologise.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, you are listening to What's the Crack? So I, I think we've come to the nitty gritty now. We've come to the point where, that everyone wants to hear, which is the best 11 of players that you've played with in your career. This is going to be fun, I'm sure. Um,
3: <laughs> it's going be tough. What, what formation should we do? It? I have to remember them all. They're also um... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what formation we're going to play. Let's. Um... It's easier for attacking players, isn't it? Really. So let's do yeah. three at the. Um, so in goal, I'll probably go with uh, Alex Smithies.
1: He was at Huddersfield, wasn't it? Yeah, great keeper.
3: Yeah, and I felt sorry for him because. He was, without a doubt, the best um, goalie I, I've ever seen. But then he got a bad knee injury, and he never quite was afterwards. He never quite was the same. Um, mm-hmm. But he, without a doubt, for me, without knee injury, he'd be in the Premier League now, a week in, week out, for someone. Didn't Shame. He went to QPR, or oh, yeah, it was at Cardiff?
2: Did. No, it's QPR. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And but now. Oh a if see I knew we went there at some point.
3: Um three at the back. Um James Tarkovsky. Wow um, nice. was with an old um young lad coming through. You could always see the potential, you always had quality on the ball. And you just knew someone who's gonna play that amount of games that young in League One is always gonna move up and up and up and um yeah, he's great. Um Scotty Dan. We go down legends.
1: Clean sweep there, Rob. Me and Neil both had him in our all time cover 11. Oh, yeah,
3: so we well. did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you did. did. Yeah.
0: That long oh,
1: yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so um, Scott Dan Tarkovsky and
3: uh, Ethan Ampadu I'll go. Nice. Wow. That's not a bad back three,
0: is it? It's <laughs> <laughs> that all day long.
1: Who's yeah. <laughs> the five in midfield? Um, it's tough, isn't it? It is tough. Um, I'm, I'm guessing Hendo's in there.
3: Yeah, Hendo'll be in there. Let's put him in straight away. He'll be in there. You can't not put him in. What he's achieved. Um, right, right wing back. I'm gonna go for a lad that. Uh, oh. I've brought through at Chelmsford, and I don't know when this podcast's going out, but he's going to be joining a Premier League side. Um, it's this... going
1: out in two weeks, if you want to tell us off camera.
3: Okay. <laughs> two weeks is fine, then. Yeah, he's um, he's joining... He's, well, as long as you don't spread it <laughs> now, oh, yeah, between you and then, He's joining Crystal Palace. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Oh, okay, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether we'll go straight into their first team, but he's still only a young 17-year-old and um, they've got high hopes for him and he's come through the ranks at, at Chelmsford and I gave him his debut when he was 16 and he's nice. one to look for in the future. His name's Danny Imray. Nice.
1: Do, do, do you think he'll go on and make it in the Premiership?
3: I think he's got every chance, yeah. Obviously, I don't want to put... Yeah. I sure I
0: <laughs> think... I sure do you want yeah. him back on loan?
3: I'd love him back on loan, yeah. <laughs> I'd absolutely love him back on loan. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get him, though. Other um, uh, centre midfielders. Or a, oh, let's do a left wing back, actually. Who do I want left wing back? Um, I'm going to put, because he played on the left for us, um, Moses Odebajo. Oh, wow. Yeah. He at Leighton Orient was um, the standout player for us in our promotion hmm. um, side, so um, I'm going to put him in there. He, he's more seen as a right-back now, isn't he? Uh, yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, yeah, he can do both. He, he actually played right-wing quite a lot for Leighton Orient, but I'm going to put him left-wing back because I know he can do that. John. Nice. Um, another centre midfielder I played with, he came on loan to Huddersfield from Man United, is Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. Um, I'm gutted to see what's happened to him the last few years, really, because obviously Chelsea signed him to play alongside Kante and it never quite happened. I think yeah. they, played together, they played together once for Chelsea and they won Big Stoke 4 0, I think. So again, it's just certain situations that do kind of kill players' careers and I feel sorry for him. But talent-wise, when he came to Huddersfield, he was on another level, really.
0: Well, the season left him on the title. He was one of the best players by the country miles. So you can, mm. see, you can see exactly why you dubbed him in there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think he was, because Kante took all the, the headlines, he kind of went a little bit unnoticed in that team. But yeah. the link between him and Vardy and his vision to Vardy that season was, was incredible to watch.
1: Hasn't he just gone to Turkey this month? Yeah, yeah, well yeah. yeah, yeah
3: what I learned. Yeah. I think personally, it's a great
0: move for him because obviously he's had the loan at Burnley and Villa and things haven't quite worked out. Uh, he got sent off for the under 23s a few weeks ago for a little scrap with Spurs. I think it's probably probably best for him just to kind of get it to Turkey, have a bit of time away from the spotlight and concentrate on
3: playing football again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, another one. I, I, I Another one from Huddersfield, really. um, That I'm going to play in midfield, probably more advanced midfielder than those two. It's Anthony Pilkington. Nice, very good player. Uh, I remember a first session for the first sort of proper session we did for um, Huddersfield, like a game type thing. He went and took one corner with his right foot and whipped in a beautiful ball, and it got deflected out for a corner the other side. And he jogged all the way over and he was lining up for it with his, to take it with his left foot. And I said to <laughs> one of the other players, I said, What's he doing here? And he said, And then the other player just said to me, I'll oh, watch this. And he whipped it in with his left foot with <laughs> exactly the same amount of quality that he did. It was.
0: That's, that's yeah. frightening.
3: Yeah. And then obviously he went on to play in the Premier League with Norwich and scored some goals in the Premier League, scored against Man United. Nice. Yeah, good player.
0: I, I, I always rated him. I always rated him. I always yeah. thought he was
2: quite, quite eccentric in what he did. He was, he was one of those that could turn a game on its head with like literally one little
3: move. Yeah, yeah, he was quality. Um, then up front, Oli Watkins. Yeah, yeah Oli Watkins. That. Um, great player. Um, it's
1: just a shame he's at Villa.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I still speak to Ollie regularly and I know that it wasn't just Villa that were interested. There were lots of other teams interested. Do you think uh, it was
0: the fact it was Dean Smith who had him at uh, Brentford that kind of swayed that for him?
3: Yeah, I think that might be part of it. Obviously, they, they've got a relationship anyway. And, and Ollie, it was a club where he knew he'd go and, and be the main man, which is what yeah. he wanted, to be a main man in the Premier League. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's he obviously it's tough when you have options at that level what to choose, but I think he's glad he's made the decision he did now.
0: Yeah, fair play to him. Um,
3: and then the last striker. Oh, this is a toughie. Um, this is a real tough one.
0: It's got um, to be Fred for surely. He looked after you at Carl.
3: <laughs> 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 Um
2: this is where you're gonna surprise us now and just say Kevin Kyle, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Um I'm gonna say someone who's probably just scored the most goals. Yeah, the guy who scored the most goals I've 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 played with. Um so Jordan Rhodes. Yeah,
1: he was mega to be fair. What a striker he was.
0: I'd take I'd take him a cov now as a sort of backup striker all day long because he's not getting played at Wednesday, is he?
1: He went. We went for some big money as well, didn't he? Rose did. Went like, was it like it's fifteen million? Up.
3: Yeah. Yeah, th- thirty million. I think he went for. Um, Jesus Christ. He um, he's one of those that you'd watch the whole game and think if you hadn't seen him before, you think is that really Jordan Rose? the one who's getting all the hype and scoring all the goals? But then. He'd score. I was honest. there on the yeah. I was thinking, I've got to come here. Jordan's having a beast. But then he'd score. And mm. you think, well, that's me not starting the next game now. <laughs> in, <the> next game. <laughs> but in fairness to him, like, he's not that quick. He's not that strong. His hold-up play is not that great. He's, he's an unbelievable finisher. He's one of those, those Michael Owen types where if he gets a chance... And everybody else's heart rate goes up. He just remains cool, and he can yeah. just easily, like with no no problem at all. And in terms of movement, when crosses are coming into the box, I've never seen anybody with as good a movement as him. That season at Huddersfield, we had actually had Pilks on one wing and Gary Roberts on the other, and we put lots and lots of crosses in the box. And he would just get on the end of every single cross. His movement to get across a defender or in between defenders was was something that I've never never seen before. It was just so good to watch and so good to witness. Um, yeah, I think he has to go in there for that reason, really. What a side that is! Love that. Who's your captain, Rob? Has to has to be a Champions League winning captain, doesn't it? <laughs> I was gonna say, you can't look
0: too far that. Um, And (laughs) who's in the dugout?
3: Um, Tisdale. Yeah, nice. Is he wearing the flat cap? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Cravat, flat cap a lot.
0: Probably probably be the best dress manager in football until Pep turned up.
1: Yeah, he is. is. Pep looks a in jacket, doesn't he? I'd say Tisdale's better dressed than him.
0: (laughs) he, he always looks dapper, Tisdale. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Wow, what a side that is. That's a great side that is, Robbie.
3: Yeah, I'll have to write that down on paper, won't I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> really appreciate your time, Rob. Massively appreciate you taking time out of your day. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, and no, I've enjoyed it too. Thanks a lot.
3: Honestly, right, it's, it's been great to chat to you, mate.
1: If you want to follow Robbie on Twitter, yeah. it's at Robbie Simmo. Uh, make sure you go and follow him and good luck to Chelmsford, mate.
3: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Look forward to... Um... All your other podcasts too.
1: Really Roger. appreciate it,
3: brother. Cheers, Robby. What's the crack podcast?
0: Proudly sponsored by JMR property maintenance. From rewires to extension Builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free no obligations quote.